Uh, this is a BBC poll they commissioned to ask what people's views are on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, the headline was based on 23%, nearly one in four people of those who identified themselves as Christians, saying, I do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But actually, this is the category of those who identify as Christians, and there's, uh, there's a more narrow category, those who are kind of active Christians, and uh, that was a lot higher, the percentage there was a lot higher, those who did believe. But the point is that even if those who call themselves Christians, if among that group there's a widely held view that Jesus did not rise from the dead, it ought to be no surprise that 85%, nearly everyone, of everyone else responded to the survey, they didn't believe it either. People from other religions, people of no religion, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. There's no resurrection. What do you think? What do you think? Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Or maybe some of you pity those who do. Maybe uh, some of you have written it off as, as wishful thinking on the part of desperate disciples, deluded disciples maybe. What does it matter anyway? What difference does it make? What difference does it make to my life or could it make to my life if Jesus has really risen from the dead? Well, the disciples, people who'd been with Jesus and learning from him and following him, they were all gathered together and they were talking at top speed. You know how you kind of talk when you're really excited about something? I don't know if that's a a computer game or the latest toy or whatever, but I'm guessing we're all quite good at going and talking really excited about something. Well, this is what was happening among the disciples. They were talking about some incredible things that some of them were reporting. Imagine you were gathered with a group of friends talking about something you're really excited about. There's a buzz. Something totally amazing has happened. They were a bit on edge though because their leader had just been executed. He'd just been killed. And, and, and they were scared. They were hiding together in a locked room. Maybe they'd be next. And at night time, in this locked room in Jerusalem... These disciples were talking about incredible reports from that day that would go down in history. Peter, also called Simon, he'd say, it's true, the Lord has risen and and he's appeared to me. And then Mary would would remind them of, of how Jesus appeared to her in the garden, outside the tomb. She thought he was the gardener, first of all, and then he spoke to her. And she realized it was Jesus Risen Jesus, who was speaking to her. She was seeing him and talking with him. And then another two burst in. And they said, Jesus has just appeared to us also. We were walking to another village. And he explained to us how all the things had to take place. How it was God's big plan all along for Jesus to suffer and to die and to rise again. In order to rescue his people and bring them to God the Father. We've seen him. We've spoken with him. We even ate with him. He's alive. Could it be true? How could it be true? Jesus was dead and buried in a tomb two days ago. They saw it with their own eyes. Some of them even prepared his lifeless body for burial. And this is where we pick up Luke's account of the story. We're looking at chapter 24 this morning of Luke's gospel. It's on page 1062 of the Blue Bibles. You might find it helpful if everyone kind of, you find one, get one in front of you, kids as well. See if you can follow it. Page 1062 of the Blue Bibles. Uh, Now Luke 
explains in his introduction to his book that, that he's like a careful historian. He researched, he investigated thoroughly. He talked to eyewitnesses to provide an accurate report of what had happened. We're looking at Luke 24. It's page 1062, and we're going to start off looking at verse 36. It's kind of near the top left-hand corner. So as the rest of you still find that, remember the disciples are together, they're excited. Peter's seen Jesus, Mary's seen Jesus. These two on the journey, they've seen Jesus, they've even met with him. And verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still not did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. It's funny, isn't it? You think it's funny that even though all they'd been talking about all night was Jesus has appeared. I've seen him. Peter, I've seen him. Mary, I've seen him. These two on the road, I've seen him. It's funny that they've talked about these reports of Jesus being alive and risen. And then even while they were talking about it, he appears among them all. And they think they've seen a ghost. Jesus' first disciples needed persuading, just like you and I need persuading. Maybe you need persuading still today. The disciples were as sceptical as the rest of humanity. Now, I need uh, some some volunteers, please, uh, to come up here. Uh, I need uh, need four volunteers at the moment. Uh, Yeah, come up, guys. Just come up as as you are. Yeah, okay. We've got our four. Brilliant. Thank you. Now, I've kind of lost myself a little bit. Right, okay, good. I found myself again. Um, Right, thank you. Now, just hold on there a second, okay? And then you're going to become an important part of this. Now, was it their imagination? Was it their hallucination? That is a long word people might use, like tricks being played on them, their minds playing tricks on them. Did they think they saw Jesus because they wanted to see him? Was it an illusion? Was someone else playing a trick on him? Perhaps a kind of first century hologram, a light projection. Those who are slightly older will remember Rimmer in Red Dwarf. Was it kind of like a, a Rimmer Jesus that the disciples saw? Or was it as they feared a ghost? Now most of us don't think that much about ghosts these days. Probably aren't even sure such a thing exists. But in the place where these things were happening... It was a a common thing. People uh, were very much aware of the spirit world. Ghosts, as we might call them, were a very real and active thing. And so to this group of followers of Jesus, a ghost, a spirit, was the most obvious explanation. Most obvious, apart from the possibility that it was the risen Jesus himself appearing among them. But for whatever reason, that wasn't the first thought that came into their minds. The man standing among them was a ghost, uh, and so they were startled and frightened. Uh, Now, I can't create a ghost... But for the purpose of this activity, uh, I need someone to, to operate the traditional white sheet. Uh, so who wants to be the ghost? <laughs> Can you be a ghost? Should you do it? It's all right. All you have to do is hide behind this. Yeah? Great. Oh, thank you. You can stand up straight. No? Okay. Good. 
Always. That's okay, isn't it? Everyone's happy. Right. Now, I need someone else to imagine someone. Right. Imagine someone where Sarah was standing, okay? Imagine there's a person there, all right? What do they look like? Is it a boy or a girl? A girl, okay. And is she tall, short? Short, okay. There's a short girl here, okay? Becky's imagining a short girl standing here. Emily, sorry. Is imagining a short girl standing here, okay? Right, great. Now, oh, uh, first of all, this is going to be flawless, I know. Um, right, okay, and you're a real human being, okay? Real human being. Right, what I'd like you to do is could you just go and touch all three of them? Touch the imaginary person, touch the ghost. Yeah. How did, it, how did you get on touching the imaginary person? Was it quite difficult? Yeah, because yeah, they're not there, are they? Yeah, okay. Right, okay, but you managed to touch the real person, didn't you? That was good, okay. That's promising. Right. Jesus said to them, remember what he said? Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It's I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Interesting, he showed them his hands and feet. Why did he show them his hands and feet? Well, his hands and feet had the marks of the cross, the marks of the nails from where he was crucified. Jesus is raised. His body is brought back to life. He's really there. His body is a transformed body, but it's still his body. Right. He carries on to say, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, which I reckon is just a bit like tin tuna, wasn't it? (laughs) And uh, he took it and he ate it in their presence. Right. Now, could you feed the tuna, please? Start, start with the ghost. Give the ghost some tuna. Then the imaginary person. Yeah, go on. Just go for it. Just put the tuna on the ghost. I mean, I don't know how you feed a ghost tuna. Don't worry about getting the sheet white, Betty. It's fine. Yeah, that's it. Go on. Yeah. Do you want me to do it? Would you find it easier if I did it first? Would that help you? I would do it something like this, look. There you go. I'll try not to tread it in, though, because we'll get it in the carpet and I'll be in trouble. Just, well, feed the imaginary person. Stand back a little bit. Don't want to get Peter. Stand back a little bit. Okay, so the imaginary person's about here. It's a short girl, wasn't it, remember? So just give them some tuna. Yeah, go on. Oh, you haven't fed it to them. Oh... Oh, it's really difficult feeding an imaginary person some food, isn't it? Okay, try the real person. Come on now, we've got an agreement. You agreed to do this. <laughs> go on, here you go for it. Like this, look. Just a little bit. Go on. So I'd be the real person. You, you got cold feet? You're not hungry. Okay. Imagine I'm the real person. Do you want to be the... Half an Easter egg. Half an Easter egg. Okay. Right. Pretend I'm the real person. Mm. Thank you. You can sit down. Hold well on, guys. 
כל המציעים. אוקיי, excuse me, I wasn't expecting to have to eat that. Only fair enough, I suppose. So, here's the point. Here's the point. A ghost, a spirit, a, a, a person without a body, someone who's imagined, a hallucination. You can't see and touch, you can't, well, you can see them, you can't touch them. You can't touch and feel them. And nor can you feed them fish, and they eat it. It just goes on the floor, as we've just discovered. But Jesus, the risen Jesus, they could touch him, they could feel him. And they fed him the fish and he ate it. Here's the point. Jesus is real. Jesus is really alive. The same Jesus who'd been crucified two days ago and buried. The same Jesus is now alive and risen with a physical body. And he'd appeared to many other people, including the Apostle Paul. He was a persecutor of the church when the risen Jesus appeared to him. He didn't have a psychological need for Jesus to be alive. He wanted him dead. But the risen Jesus appeared to him and transformed him. He turned his life around. Because of this encounter with the risen Jesus, the Apostle Paul devoted the rest of his life to preaching about Jesus being crucified for our sins and raised from the dead. Paul spoke and wrote at a time when Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. And these appearances of Jesus are evidence of his resurrection. Not only is there this evidence, but the evidence of the, of the empty tomb. Uh, not only is the evidence of the absence of Jesus' dead body. Not only is there the evidence of his frightened followers at being emboldened and empowered to proclaim a message that might cost them their lives, but would give birth to the worldwide church uh, uh, with millions and millions of followers of Jesus for centuries to come. Portsmouth Church today included in that. This evidence of the eyewitnesses, people who have seen for themselves the risen Jesus and could testify that he is risen and he is really alive. I don't know how many people were in that room that night. Uh, we know the 11 disciples were there, or at least 10 of them. Uh, Luke speaks of those with the 11. Perhaps that included the two Marys and Joanna and the other women who were with them at the tomb that morning. Mary and Martha and Lazarus maybe. The two who Jesus had appeared to on, his journey, on, their, on their journey. There's at least perhaps 22, maybe more people there who saw Jesus alive. They saw him, they touched him, and they watched him eat. We'll think about the significance of that and what it means for us in a moment. Uh, Before we do that, we're going to sing two songs that declare that Jesus is alive. And we're going to pick up Luke's story again uh, from verse 44 uh, of Luke 24, page 1062. Luke 24, verse 44, he said to them, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled or must come to happen that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah, that's him talking about himself, that's another name for Jesus, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead, and on the third day, on the day, oh, sorry, on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So, who knows uh, what the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, what's he talking about there? He's talking, anyone of the kids know? Anyone know? He's talking about the Old Testament part of the Bible. 
the law of Moses, kind of the first five books, the prophets, the Psalms. He's basically talking about the Old Testament part of the Bible, and he's saying that it's, that it's written about him, that things there are written about him. So, uh, just to say, if you volunteer for anything else now, you will not be forced to eat tuna or have it put on your head or anything of the sort. There's nothing more to do with tuna. We've finished with the tuna. Um, so, around the room, you will find various... Sc- oh, yeah. Good. Go, go for it. You'll find various scrolls, which are kind of like bits of the Old Testament. Not really, the bits I've printed out. But they're like bits of the Old Testament part of the Bible. Go, find them, quick. You know, whoever you are, if you find one, uh, bring it up. And uh, if you can read it, I'll give you this microphone, and uh, you can read it. If not, I'll read it for you. Um, but uh, if you've got one, come up, bring it up to me, and let's let's break them open. Yeah, a sellotape was uh, an ancient method used to seal scrolls. Great. Do you want to open it? Sellotape. Yeah, we'll break the sellotape. That's okay. If while you're ra- while you're queuing up, if you broke the sellotape, that'd be helpful. Okay. You can read that. Go for it. The Lord says to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Great, thank you. Now this verse is used in the New Testament to show that's talking about Jesus, who after he's crucified, he's risen and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, there's some clips here. Um, So... It's saying that after he's suffered, uh, he'll be risen. In fact, what we could do, although you've missed the chance, but once you've read yours, you could clip it up, and John will help you. Great. Okay, don't go too far, because you've got something else to do after we've done these. Oh, you've got two. Excellent. Right, so do you want to... Can you read that? Okay. The Lord says... Yeah. It is too... Small. Small. I... Thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will. Also make you a light for the Gentiles. And my salvation. Then my salvation may reach to the end of the. Brilliant, thank you. That's a really tricky one, that one, isn't it? Do you want to get John to help you stick it up? Well done for that one. That is a promise that that in Jesus, in the servant who was to come, good news would be proclaimed for everyone, for the whole earth. Not just for the people who'd been God's people in the past, but for everyone. Let's have a couple more. Um, Go for it. Are you ready for one of yours? Choose whichever one's shortest. (laughs) But I am a worm and not a man. Scored. Scored by everyone. Displayed? Despised. Despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl in still, shaking their heads. 
He trusts in the Lord. They say, let the Lord rescue me. Let the deliver him, since he delights him in him. Thank you. Okay, we'll just read one of those two. So yes, yeah, so that's again a prediction that the, the, the Messiah, that Jesus would suffer. So we've seen already suffering at resurrection, that he'll rise, that he'll be at the Father's right hand afterwards, and that forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed to the nations. And I'm sorry to disappoint anyone, but that's really handy that we've had those three categories already. I think the rest of them, just because of time, if you get them all stuck up on the string here, yeah, and then you can read them later. (laughs) And everyone can diligently kind of have a read before you go. Now, Suzanne's going to come up and help uh, briefly. While you're doing that, Suzanne and I just want to show you this blank piece of paper. It's blank, isn't it? Can you vouch for me that it's blank? He... No, 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 no. It's blank, it's blank. It's blank. It's blank. It's definitely blank. Can you see anything? No, it's blank. It's very blank. Look at that. They're having you on. Don't listen to them. Okay. Right. Okay, we're going to lie this down on the ground, okay? And... We're going to, we need to, if you just uh, yeah come this way so you don't fall off that'd be that'd be bad. Uh, no, you can't. Um, <laughs> right, you can see. Okay, all right then. You can see. What can you see? Right. Okay, we can see something that's invisible. I'll go with that. Okay. Well, what we're going to do is Suzanne has very kindly prepared for you some paint pots and water. And you need to listen very carefully to her because she's lost her voice. Okay? And you need to, perhaps if you use these paint pots and water, come and gather round, I'll get out of the way. Maybe what's invisible might just come into view. And while you're doing that, so we didn't have time to read all of these and there's loads more we could have looked at. There's just stacks. There's, we could spend the whole morning easily looking at how in the Old Testament part of the Bible... Things are written about Jesus, written about how he'd come to suffer, suffer for our sin, die in our place, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be invited into right relationship with God as his children, adopted as sons and daughters, dearly loved by God the Father. And uh, it was written that he'd rise, that death wouldn't have its hold on him, it wouldn't defeat him, that the grave couldn't hold him as we've just been singing, that he'd rise from the dead, the victor. Defeated death, defeated sin. And, and then that message to be proclaimed to the whole earth, which we're going to hear about uh, in a moment. So I won't say any more on that. But as we do this... Oh, look. So I can tell you, you haven't got a camera to see this, but I can tell you that as we're doing this, what they thought they saw, there was something, they were right, there kind of was something there that was a bit invisible though, you couldn't really tell what it was. There was something there, they had a kind of hazy view about what it was, it was a kind of bit of a blur. They knew there was something written on that paper, but they couldn't read it, they didn't even know it was writing, they couldn't see exactly what it was. But as they've been painting it, uh, as we'll see in a moment, what was written is coming into view. What was written is suddenly appearing and it's going to be seen. We're going to be able to understand it and see what it is all about. 
And this is what Jesus' resurrection does as well. In his resurrection, the significance of his resurrection, as Jesus is saying that from these words, look, it's me, I'm the one, all this is written about me, all that's written, all that you kind of had a bit of a hazy idea about, you, you could see something, but you couldn't see the picture. Now the picture, in Jesus' resurrection, the picture has come into view and we can see that he is the Messiah. He is the one who came to suffer for us and we can see God's plan and God's purpose to restore us and bring us into relationship with him. So I'm going to grab the microphone. Oh, thank you. Oh, I've got, I've got it over there. <laughs> Wasn't really a trick to buy time. Right, okay. Can anyone tell what's written on here yet? That says Jesus, okay. It's upside down, right. Well, what should we do? You can't really see it yet either. Oh. Why don't, why doesn't someone come around this side? Because I can see a few words around this side. Oh. Okay, can you see any words? I can. Yeah, what can you see? That says sins, okay. What other words are there? Okay, well, just for a few more minutes, let's uh, stay in that passage that we were looking at before, page 1062, and let's read on a little bit further. Let's check in. Yeah, I'm on. So we got to verse 45 at least. We'll start at verse 45, shall we? Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures... He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. We called this service Life Transformed. Because you see, the disciples, as I think you probably got hold of by now, I hope, were face to face with a transformed life. Their friend Jesus, their their leader, the one who had taught them so much, uh, who they'd seen crucified and dead, was now back with them. And he really was alive. As we saw, there was evidence to back it up. No matter how crazy it seemed, no matter how unlikely, they knew that it was true because there he was with them, in front of them. And that made a huge difference to their lives. Even in that passage, they they were transformed, they were changed. It was like everything was kind of rebooted. You know, we've had to reboot computers, don't we, from time to time. So everything had kind of started again. One of the, the ex-archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, he, he got a lovely little phrase about Easter morning. He said, being in the Easter event is being like, in being, sorry, being in the Easter event of Easter morning is like being in the middle of the second Big Bang. Everything Woof, starts again. Everything, this whole new creation starts with the resurrection of Jesus. Something immense has happened. And there's transformation. It was true, he was alive. And it meant something big. Because he was alive, it meant that all he had told them about himself, about what God is doing through him, was also true. 
All that the Bible said about God's plan to rescue the human race. All those prophecies, they had come true in Jesus. And all of that completely transformed them. They were changed. And it can change us as well. If this is true, that Jesus really is alive, then we can be rescued. We can be forgiven. See, we know we have this problem of sin and guilt. We know that there's something that are wrong in our lives. We feel distance from God. Well, because of Jesus' death on the cross and because he's now alive, we can have forgiveness of sins. We can repent and know him. We can be forgiven. That's what we're celebrating. But there's more because as we look again at verses 46 to 49, it says it's written that the Messiah would suffer and rise that forgiveness and, uh, and repentance can be ours. But more, it goes on to say, in his name, it's going to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to that. So what Jesus has done, what God planned, what all got started when Jesus died and was raised is global. It's global. It's for everyone. You see, he doesn't just stop and say, uh, Jesus has died. He's been raised again. This is what the scripture said. Uh, Repentance and forgiveness are available for you disciples. He says, it's for all nations. It's going on. It's going everywhere. And then he also says, you're part of it. He said, this is just what the prophets promised. I just want to look at one of those prophets. I don't know whether it's on the scroll. Uh, it's on page what, 741, if you might like to quickly turn to it. It'll only take a couple of seconds. Uh, what did I say? Page 741. It's a very famous part of Isaiah's prophecy about how this servant would come and would suffer. And he introduces this prophecy of how this servant was coming to suffer. And he says in verse 13 of verse, uh, chapter 52, he says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. You remember last week we were talking about lifted up and the double meaning of lifted up. Lifted up to die, lifted up to be glorified. That's what Jesus himself said in John 12. Then it goes on to talk about just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. What's that talking about? Well, uh, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ, I suppose the nearest thing we ever get to seeing what a real crucifixion might look like, you end up there with this person so disfigured by the beatings and the lashings and the suffering and the crucifixion. Here's one of these prophecies saying, my servant is going to be so disfigured that no one's going to recognize him. But then it says, he's also going to be lifted up and highly exalted. Why? Verse 15. So he, well, it says in our version, sprinkle many nations. It's kind of startling. It says many nations will be amazed at him at the footnote saying, kings will shut their mouths because of him for what they were not told they will see and what they have not heard they will understand. See, a servant suffering, a servant lifted up, a servant exalted, and a huge impact for many nations. Because people who haven't been told will see, and people who haven't heard will understand. Part of the promise. And that transformed the disciples uh, too, because the risen Jesus was the one who was going to make an impact on all the nations. It was for everyone. And the disciples, he says, you're called to be part of this. 
It's in the Messiah's name. You're part of his movement of God in the name of his risen son. Promised by God. So here, what George and Corinne are doing, what we want to do as we uh, get involved with international students, what we do with all the other things we do internationally, it's not some afterthought. You know, it's, we don't kind of get involved in missionary stuff because, well, that's an added extra. It's absolutely vital and crucial. It's what Jesus died and was raised for. So that people who've never heard of him will know. People who haven't seen will understand. That's why he did it. And that can transform our whole lives, can't it? If we can get with that purpose, something can be very different. So if we're part of the Messiah's people, if the Lord Jesus is the resurrected King and our Lord, so it's a promise, it's the plan, it's what we're part of. And there's a promise of power to do it. Power from on high to enable them to be part of the fulfillment of God's plan. Now that transformed the disciples and it can transform us now. It's what kept the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul wrote much of the New Testament. That's what got him out of bed in the mornings. Do you know how I know that? It says so in Romans 15. Don't turn to it now. But at the end of Romans 15, he says, you know, I want to do something. He said, I really want to go everywhere. In fact, I want to go to places where Jesus has never been heard of before. He's kind of saying, bring it on. He said, I've been all around the age where someone worked out, I think the Apostle Paul worked about, walked about 50,000 miles in his life, going around all over the place, telling people about Jesus. That's what God called him to do. He was special in that respect. But um, in a sense, God might call you, me, some of us, to do something like that. Why did he do it? If you look in Romans 15, he he says, because, and he quotes Isaiah 52, he says, because those who have not been told about him will see, those who have not heard will understand. He said, that's why I get up. (laughs) That is the whole point of my life, because the Jesus I love, the Messiah I worship, the Lord I follow, has done something for the whole world, and that gets me out of bed in the morning, because I can be part of it, because the Holy Spirit is empowering me to do that, because the living Jesus, who still wants to reach out to people, is part of that. So Jesus died and was raised to change us. He was raised to to change us from sinners to forgiven children of God. And we can know that. But he also, I believe, died and was raised to save us from aimless lives, to living our lives with him in what he's doing. Have we got that second part? Have I got that? Have you got that? Jesus is alive. So we've got a new reason to live. For him. And it's going global. So that's why we support these mission partners. People like Heather, who's been on her island where there are no very few believers, maybe one or two, one or two secret ones from that whole community. Why are the Moors in, in the middle of Central Asia with their family? Why are we sending a, a team to Central Asia to support the, uh, the team that Alison works with there? Why do we bother to do that? Because Jesus is alive and because he's, he, he's accomplished something that means that people who haven't been told will see and people who haven't heard will understand. It's a promise. It's part of the resurrection deal. It's part of the reboot. That's what we're part of. Exciting? I think so. Whether we go, pray, give, send, 
Get involved, find out, watch the news in a different way, make friends with international students, pray for the ladies in the English classes, keep our eyes open for people from other cultures all around us, say to God, here I am, how do you want me to part of this? All of those things we can do. Not all of them. I mean, not we can't all of us do all of them, but we say, Lord, where do you want me as part of that great purpose of yours? We can be witnesses everywhere. Our lives can be transformed, a new purpose, a new outlook on the world that we're part of. Because, I don't know why I keep holding this, very unhelpful, <laughs> because I'm about to point at you with a kitchen roll towel. Seriously, though, why do we do it? Because Jesus really is alive. He's done it, he's completed it, he's enabled. We sang on, on Friday, it is finished, he has done it. And he's done it for us personally. But he's done it so that anyone from any nation can know him. Including those nations that we think were written off. North Korea. You know, pray for North Korea in the news. Probably can't go there. It's probably not advisable unless you have a very clear call from God to do that. But we can pray, can't we? And there are groups like Open Doors and others who can give you, uh, Release International can give you information to pray so you can be part of that as you pray part of what god is doing so here's two questions then do you know that forgiveness that truth that changes everything because he says we can turn from our sin we can turn from ourselves at the center of our lives we can trust him we can ask him for that we can seek him he jesus said in one of famous verses in seek and you will find if you want to start doing that let me encourage you to take one of these booklets called try praying And you could just do that. Try praying. And it helps you to start praying. Start seeking the Lord. Little thing to do every day. Pick one up on your way out. Do you know that forgiveness? Or you've got that forgiveness. Well, do you get the purpose? Find a way to connect with what God is doing. Ask him what he's doing, especially as that goes everywhere, and join in. So this week, let's pray each day. We can say something like this. Jesus, you're alive for me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for saving me. Jesus, you're alive for people who don't know you, so please use me. Jesus, you're alive for people from every nation, so show me the world differently. Show me the people around me differently. Jesus, you're alive to make me a witness. Empower me. Amen. We do that this week as we live with purpose because Jesus is really risen indeed. Let's respond with a couple of songs as we uh, continue towards uh, the end of our service. Thanks, guys.